who pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. And over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one, uh, that the satraps, satraps might give account to them, so that the king would suffer no loss. Then Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king gave uh, thought to setting him over the whole realm. Okay, so Darius is organizing the kingdom, 120 satraps, three commissioners over the satraps, one of those was Daniel, and then the king was going to appoint Daniel as the head of those commissioners because of his ability, <coughs> his extraordinary spirit, and so forth. So Daniel is, you know, just rising in, in position and power uh, or in the Persian kingdom. He, it's interesting, you know, the Babylonian kingdom's come and gone, and Daniel's still, you know, with great uh, authority and great respect, even by the Persian rulers. Of course, what always happens when somebody rises in their uh, government or in their profession or whatever? They get corrupt. <laughs> they get corrupt. That's usually what happens. I was thinking other people get jealous. You know, wow. You know, you just, it's amazing how we are. We, we can't stand other people's successes. All right. Anything on the first three verses? But then usually when the, when the person that does go up is confused why no one else, like wants everyone to, you know, to be happy that, you know, they went up. Then when someone else goes up, it's like... Just from the point of view, I guess. Yeah, it does. Yeah. All right, 4 through 10. Then the commissioners and satraps began trying to find a, a ground of accusation against Daniel in regard to government affairs, but they could find no ground of accusation or evidence of corruption inasmuch as he was faithful, and no negligence or corruption was to be found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground of accusation against this Daniel unless we find it against him with regard to the law of his God. Then these commissioners and satraps came by agreement to the king and spoke to him as follows. King Darius, live forever. All the commissioners of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the high officials and the governors have consulted together that the king should establish a statute and enforce an injunction that anyone who makes a petition to any god or man besides you, O king, for thirty days shall be cast into the lion's den. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it may not be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which may not be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document, that is, the injunction. Now, when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he entered his house, now in his roof chamber, he had windows open toward Jerusalem. And he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God as he had been doing previously. Well, they try to do with Daniel what jealous politicians try to do with the rising star. What do they try to do? Yeah, dig up some dirt on him. And what do they find? which infuriates them more even yet, I'm sure, you know, that not only is he about to be promoted over the commissioners that are over the satraps, but he hadn't done anything wrong that they could accuse him of. You know, wow. 
you know, that's that's just really, uh, you know, frustrating. But there's one thing that they could probably use against him. What's that? Yeah, they know him to be somebody who has great commitment to the religion of his God. If they could figure out some way of using that against him. They see him as someone who would not compromise that in order to maintain his position. Isn't that interesting? You know, that they recognize, because you know there'd be a whole lot of people that are religious people, but if they issued a decree like this, well, they, they, you know, just, you know, cave in. But they really think Daniel won't cave, that they can trust him to stay committed to the religion of his God. So that really speaks well of him and the kind of impression he's left not because he's tried to leave an impression, but because that is the kind of character he has. That's the kind of person he is. And so they they come and they tell the king all of the commissioners, the prefects and the satraps, the high officials and the governors, have consulted together about this statute. That was a lie. Daniel wasn't in on this. That you should make this law and sign it. That for 30 days, if anybody prays to anybody except you, it'd be thrown the lion's den. And they got Darius to sign it. Reckon why did he have the absence of mind to do that? Flattery. Absolutely. People will do things that are really stupid. Even people who normally don't do things that are all that stupid when they're flattered. Flattery is a trap. He kind of likes the idea... All of the leaders want him to be honored in this way. Wow, he must really be good. He, just, you can see his head swelling, and the more his head swells, the uh, more it restricts the blood flow, blood flow to his brain, you know. And uh, he really shows how weak he is, because they, they plotted this whole thing. He's, being, he's just being maneuvered and engineered by them. You know, so he signs this, and there's one problem after a Medo-Persian king signs a document. And what's that? May not be revoked. Yeah. He cannot revoke it. <laughs> it's kind of funny. You know, if he was really a great king, you'd think he'd have the power to revoke what he signed. But I think the idea was, he's like a god. He never makes a mistake. Well, if he were to revoke a law he previously passed, that would be an admission of a mistake, and he can't make those. So he can't revoke it. So he signs it, and it's over. You know, this is signed, and Daniel knows it. And what does Daniel do? Where? Where? With his window open, looking toward Jerusalem. He doesn't change his practice. Good grief. You know, all he would have to do, you know, go somewhere, shut yourself in the closet, and pray. Or you don't have to bow your head and close your eyes or whatever it was he did that would have showed that he was praying. And you can just pray in your head. You know, pray in your in your bed when you pretend you're asleep. I don't know. 
You know, why do this? There's so many ways to rationalize that. So many ways to say, well, I'm still praying. But they knew Daniel's still going to pray visibly. You know, there are times not to show off our good deeds, but there's times not to hide our light. Pretty much, don't show it when you're tempted to show it, and don't hide it when you're tempted to hide it. <laughs> that pretty well would give me the rule of thumb on that. And in this case, if he had quit doing this, it would have given the impression that he wasn't praying to God. And he didn't want anybody to think he wasn't praying to God. No, no matter what the king's decree is. Does this remind you of any other chapter in Daniel? When the three dudes didn't bow down. Yeah, isn't this so much like that? Standing. Yeah, very similar kind of event, just as inspiring and impressive. Showed their faith. It does. Mm-hmm. It shows Daniel's faith. Oh, yeah. Shows his courage. Comments and questions through ten. It always does me uh, good to be reminded of the, the depth of his character. I think it's easy for me to, to remember that Daniel's a great one, but boy, in the face of all of this, and, and, and the reputation that he had, it just speaks volumes. It does. Yeah, Daniel's a really fine man. He just There's so many things to admire and to pattern yourself after. And he's been that way for so long. You know, he's now into the Persian kingdom. 65 to 70 years after he was taken into captivity, he's still faithful. You know, you appreciate people who all their life they serve God. You know, they don't waver. They keep committed. And it's a great thing for young people to aspire to. You know, I've often done things like this. Some of you have heard me do this, maybe even with you, but you know, is to pick out some older, strong Christian. You know, I've used people like Paul Earnhardt and Sue Hall and said, you know, wow, look at the impact they've had. Look at the impact they have now. Look at the character. How do you get a Paul Earnhardt or a Sue Hall where you don't start when they're 75? Now, you can become a Christian when you're 75 and you can serve the Lord and please the Lord, but you won't be Paul in the heart of Sewell Hall. You know, they started when they were teenagers. Sewell, probably when he was pre-teenage. You know, with a godly family and with character and determination to please God. You know, for years and years with great sincerity and humility and, and intensity. And, and, and those kinds of men grow by that consistency, starting very young and continuing to just serve the Lord. And that's what we want. Comments and thoughts? Um, in verse 10, when it says that he prayed and gave things before, I mean, I don't know exactly what all he prayed for. He might have prayed for, for strength in the time that you know he was in, but, uh, but I like it that, it that it points out that he gave things before God, because um, it's it reminds me that he's not just like, oh, please keep me safe during this time because I'm going to serve you, you know what I mean? But he's, he's still, he's giving things. It just reminds me of when we went through the book of Acts and how it was in Acts 4 when they kept praying for, they didn't 
Like they weren't praying that, oh, thanks for saving us from this one, but they prayed for more boldness. Yes. To just keep preaching, you know what I mean? And I was like, and that's what it made me think of when we read this, because he, he was still giving thanks to God, not just like, you know, please keep me, you know, from harm's way, you know what I mean? But he just, he, prayed, he gave thanks to God, you know, and stuff still. Yes. So it just, I think it, again, shows how faithful he Well, and it's like, it's as, as he had been doing previously. Mm-hmm. I mean, none of this seems to have faced him. Right. <laughs> You know, I don't care what the governmental decrees are. The Lord's the same Lord as He has always been, so you're going to do the same thing. They can do with you whatever they want to. Yeah. They can pray in a lion's den as well as He can pray in His, you know, His house. Right. And if uh, the lions kill Him and He's with the Lord, better yet. That's true. Anything else? All right. How about eleven to fifteen? by agreement and found Daniel making petition and supplication before his God. And then they approached and spoke before the king about the king's injunction. Did you not sign an injunction that any man who makes a petition to any god or man besides you, O king, for thirty days is to be cast into the lion's den? The king answered and said, The statement is true, according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which may not be revoked. Then they answered and spoke before the king. Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the injunction which you signed, but keeps making his petition three times a day. Then, as soon as the king heard this statement, he was deeply distressed and set his mind on delivering Daniel, and even until sunset he kept exerting himself to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Recognize, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or statute which the king establishes may be changed. So they knew to watch what Daniel was doing. He did what they thought he'd do. They come to the king and say, King, didn't you sign this law? And the king said he had. And they said, well, Daniel is breaking this law three times a day. And what's his crime? Asking the Lord's help. (laughs) Thank you, God. You know, of all the crimes that you could commit. Well, how does the king feel? It's all clear now. <laughs> yeah, he figures out what happened, just a little tardy. You know, he's very upset about this. He's, he's greatly concerned about it. And uh, he tries to figure out something he can do. And that night, they come back and they say, you know... It's a law of the Medes and the Persians. It can't be changed. He becomes the prisoner of his own law. And they're using it on him. And they hadn't been able to figure out anything he can do about it. You know, he doesn't strike me as an all-powerful ruler here, does he? <laughs> you know, he's, he's weak before his subordinates who manipulate him. He's powerless before a law he himself had signed. Quite a contrast with God. Comments and questions? It's examples like this in scripture that um, that I guess help help me and I don't know, and I hope helps other people too. That you know, as as we're 
being, you know, walking as Christians in this life, you know, they knew that Daniel was still going to do what he was going to do. You know what I mean? Like, they, he set such a good example that to other people that they knew that he was still going to be praying to God, you know? And I, I feel like whether I'm in the workplace or wherever, I hope that that's the kind of, I hope I'm letting my light shine in a way that, you know, and, and other Christians are too, that would, you know, let people know that this is, this is what this guy does, you know, this is how he serves God and who he serves, so. Yeah, he's not like the person that uh, you hear about that, you know, working at this bad place, and I say, well, how do you, how do they treat you at work? You know, being a Christian, oh, they haven't found out yet. You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's, that's what we're trying to. Do. I hope they don't find out. Well, it was clear with Daniel, and he wasn't trying to hide his life. Right. He said Thank God. The scenario is the same, but the reaction is different between uh, between King Darius here and between Nebuchadnezzar back in chapter three. And Nebuchadnezzar, he got enraged when somebody dared defy the law that he had made. Yes, you're exactly right. Yeah, Darius at this point wishes he didn't have to, but he doesn't have any choice. All right, 16 to uh, 24. So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own uh, signet ring and with the signets of his lords, that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. Now the king went to his to his palace and spent the night fasting, and no musicians were brought before him. Also his sleep went from went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, so that they have not hurt me, because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him, and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no injury whatever was found on him. Uh, because he because he believed in his God. And the king gave the command, and they brought those men who had accused Daniel, and they cast them into the den of lions, then their children and their wives, and the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces before they ever came to the bottom of the den. So they put Daniel in the lion's den, and, and the king says, your God whom you constantly serve will himself deliver you, but he doesn't seem very confident about that based upon how he spent that night. They cancel the uh, planned entertainment for the night, and the king fasts and doesn't sleep. He's worried about Daniel. It looks to me like Daniel in the lion's den had a more peaceful night, more restful night, than what King Darius did. Isn't that an amazing thing? You know, and, and it just shows you that God is with those who are his people, wherever they are. It doesn't make any difference whether you're in the lion's den or somewhere else. Psalm 139, verse 8 says, If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. And so forth and so on. God, wherever we are, however bad the circumstances are, the Lord is with us if we're serving Him. The next morning, Darius comes, Daniel, you know, has the Lord been able to deliver you? Yes, He has. And, and Darius is, is excited about that. He's very pleased about that. 
you know, it's clear, Daniel makes it clear this is the Lord. It wasn't that Daniel somehow managed to evade lions all night in the den or anything. God sent his angel and shut their mouths. Uh, and so this is the Lord that has done this. And so then what does the king order? Well, was it for the people who, who tricked him into doing the thing? Yes! Him and his, the children and the wives. And the... Through them into the lion's den... And so that nobody would imagine that the lions were either too old or too fat or just without appetite. What happens to these jokers uh, when they're thrown in? Yeah, they got overpowered and crushed before they even reached the bottom of the den. Poor lions! You know, they were starving whole night without eating. You know, good thing they, they threw them some food. Uh, <laughs> It's just, it's amazing. It just shows you the power of God. And there's just no explanation, you know, for this, other than God is amazing. You know, wow. Can you imagine a night in a den of lions? Wow. I mean, I can't imagine a night with a baby lion, you know, let alone a whole bunch of them. It'd be horrible. But it wasn't. It was great. It was with God. It'd still be weird, I would think. <laughs> Even if I knew a guy kept their mouth shut, I don't know, I'd still be looking around like there's a, like, there's a bunch of lines around. Like, I don't know, weird. But probably I'm not around lines every day, so. I don't know, it's probably, uh, really? Uh, yeah, I don't go to do that often. Really. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I do find it, I just find it ironic that, um, now it's a little different, but between this story and, and with the three guys before, that, um, that, uh, other people died that weren't supposed to die originally. Like, because the, the men of valor died and when the flame got to them and then of course this was different because Darius said commanded them to die so I mean but but I still find it ironic that I mean the original people that were supposed to be killed weren't even killed well this is really justice yeah. I mean these guys have trumped this thing up against Daniel yeah. they deserve this yeah. I mean Darius got his revenge <laughs> you, you look at this and you think I mean my thought is these guys that did this what did they expect their relationship to be with the king yeah after I know. You know, I even think, why didn't the king throw them in with Daniel in the first place? <laughs> that would have been a good idea. Because yeah. he had figured out what was going on, and there, he could have written another law right then that couldn't be revoked. <laughs> yeah. That you're going in with him. And, and they're thinking the next morning when they bring Daniel out, they said, next time you write a law, make sure you specify that the lions eat the guy that throws <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Because they followed the law, they threw him in the den. Unfortunately, lions. it's hard to get lions to obey the law. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. If the lions don't eat him, then execute him. But you know, the thing about these men, all they can see is how much they hate Daniel. Their jealousy of Daniel. You're right. You would assume, had Daniel been killed by the lions, the king would have always held a grudge against those men. Might have thrown them in there anyway. Yeah, he might have, or demoted them, or whatever. But all they can think about is something to get Daniel. Jealousy is an overpoweringly destructive emotion. It just makes you do stupid, ridiculous things. Well, many sins are that way. You're exactly you right. Know? Uh, you think exactly. of either greed or whatever you want to call it that that prompts people to rob banks or hold up, you know, stores. How often do people get away with that? You know, I know they do, but a large portion, they get caught. Well, what are they thinking? But I think sin, 
obviously clouds your judgment and absolutely darkens your mind. Um, so the law about how when, once they make a law, once the king makes a law and you can't um, and you can't change it is is that was that normally like only a practice of the Medes and Persians or was that a common practice through all? I don't know the answer. I only know about it with the Medes and Persians, but I don't know if there were others that did that too or not. Yeah, because in Esther, when the king made that decree about, you know, sending the soldiers out to kill the Hebrews, didn't, instead of, like, revoking the law, he made a law that the Hebrews could defend themselves or something? Yeah, like but that. that's the means of the Persians. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, the result, 25 to 28. Then Darius the king wrote to all the peoples, nations, and men of every language who were living in all the land, May your peace abound. I make a decree that in all the dominion of my kingdom, men are to fear and tremble before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and enduring forever. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed, and his dominion will be forever. He delivers and rescues and performs signs and wonders in heaven and on earth, who has also delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel enjoyed success in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Alright, so Darius learns a lesson. Writes uh, to all the peoples, making a decree uh, that men are to fear and tremble before the God of Daniel. Says some very fine things about God. His kingship, his dominion, his ability to deliver and perform signs. Uh, so the conclusion is to make a decree about the greatness of God. And Daniel enjoys success in, in, this, uh, in this period of time as well. Uh, so, you know, what do you see every chapter of Daniel? God is God. He's the ruler. He is supreme. He can do anything. It's just so encouraging. That's the point of the whole book, is to see the greatness of God. Probably no, I don't know any book, you know, maybe has that theme so consistent in everything that's said. But, but the conclusion of every chapter would be the same. Uh, so really powerful, really encouraging. Thoughts and comments? Um, in verse 26, do, does New American Standard and other translations say he, he is the living God? Does it say he is the living God? <coughs> I have the. The, okay. I just think it's cool because, I mean, if it is that consistent throughout the translations, because the is different than uh, you know what I mean? Like, if, I mean, if he just, then obviously, it's like he's still putting them on the same scale as other gods that he worshipped, but I mean, but if he's saying the living God, then he's putting some distinguishment that the, the real God, you know what I mean? It's like, this God is God, you know, and, uh, and not Amen. just the ones that we do. So, I just, I always nitpick little words like that that mm -hmm. really make a big difference. So. Other thoughts? It's interesting to me to see the contrast between Darius and Daniel and to see how Darius was really distressed and, I don't know, concerned and afraid for Daniel while Daniel was so confident. And, you know, by the end, Darius then figures out, you know, how great and awesome God is. But then thinking about us and thinking about how often we seem to err to the side of Darius instead of Daniel and how we are so much less confident in God, even though we know everything that he can do. Good point. Yeah, Daniel has the reaction that someone who really trusts in the great God of heaven should have. If you really believe in God, why wouldn't you be calm and unruffled 
but we sometimes we betray that we have weak faith when we don't have that attitude. Good point. Other thoughts? All right, well, very good. Uh, great to uh, study these. I suspect we will slow down somewhat, uh, starting in chapter 7. We'll talk next time a little bit.